When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Huddy Withrow underway on this Thursday edition. Glad you're with us at Outkick.com. If you're watching the post show, we say thank you as well. You can subscribe on YouTube by searching out Outkick. Uh, Armando Salguero will join us coming up later this hour. Plus, a legal insider for Odyssey, Amy Dash, on today's program. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Excited for a big show today. Yes, uh, some news uh, just as we uh, hit the air and... Uh, good news at that, because Matt Arise is back where he should be. He's back in the NFL. Adam Schefter with the uh, with the report. A big development in KC. The Chiefs are signing former Bills punter Matt Ariza per source. Um, the Bills cut Ariza amid the sexual assault allegations that were uh, passed through or went through the potential criminal charges. None were filed. And then the civil case came about and was uh, later dropped. But we went through all of last season without Ariza landing on a roster. Tommy Townsend is the punter for Kansas City who is going to be a free agent next month. And now Matt Ariza, the punt god, is back in the NFL with the Kansas City Chiefs. This is great news for a guy who gets a second chance after uh, a potential, uh, not just life-altering, but career-ending allegation and accusation. It's really a sad story because he never should have been had that first chance taken away for him with the Bills, right? False accusations, everything dropped. Um, kind of a, a from what I understand with the legal process and everyone else saying it's sort of a, a case of mistaken identity uh, at the party and everything that went on. And to have 18 months of his career taken from him, yes, it is redemption, but he did nothing to deserve the redemption. He should still be playing in the NFL. He should have been a punter all along. So that was taken for him because of a false accusation. And then he ended up not getting charged with the crime, and now the Chiefs, thank God, are going to give him an opportunity. I'm rooting for the guy. I hope he does well. I hope he has a nice long career as an NFL punter. I hope these 18 months away from playing football uh, has, is not going to be some huge detriment to him where he cannot succeed. In the NFL, that's what I'm rooting for more than anything. But overall, it's just a super sad story that, yes, it is a redemption story. And, you know, this was taken from that. But none of it ever should have happened, right? He should have still been playing for the Bills. Um, the false accusation well, should not have happened. None of that should have happened. Yeah, and the, the, the false accusation, he doesn't deny, uh, you know, sexual activity. Yeah. Uh, just the, the fact that it, there were no criminal charges brought. It was investigated. Right. And the, the whole saga in Buffalo was the Bills didn't know about this. Remember this? Yeah. They, they, they found out about it a month prior to news getting out. And then they acted on it by cutting him. Well, and I'm pretty sure I don't think anybody knew about it because the accusation came after he was with the Bills. I right, think it all but, came after the fact but from the, his previous time at San Diego State. Right, but the, the investigation was taken. They had been digging on this for some time there. 
uh, with the prosecutor, which again, no criminal charges uh, were were handed down. Chad, this is also one of the best coming out of the draft uh, in 2022 to play his position. The punt god is for good reason. He can kick it the length of a football field. Um, it's tough to find punts over 80 yards in the NFL. It didn't happen at all in 2022. Um, and if it's happened this year, it happened once, maybe twice. He has also hit a 53-yard field goal. That's his career long. And he's you know, drafted. Since 2000, there were only four drafted punters uh, prior to 2022. And now you have a rise. And I believe there was a punter drafted last April as well. But this goes back to quite the talent. He was going to get back in the league. And he's back where he should be. Yeah. Back playing it and and now with Kansas City. It's interesting. I immediately thought when I saw the the news, you know, he goes to Buffalo where they weren't punting at all whenever he was actually drafted. You know, the punt god is not going to be needed. That was kind of the running joke. Now he's with Mahomes and company in Kansas City. Where a punter was needed this last year because their offense wasn't the best it's been. But back to back. But he is paired with another great quarterback yes. in great offense. And about to enhance their offensive uh, skilled positions. I'm thrilled the guy gets this opportunity uh, with another great team. He was on a great team before with the Bills. Now he's really on a great team, a yep. dynasty yeah. team with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he's going to get an opportunity. I, I hope this turns out to where, you know, five years from now, all of this stuff in the past is just a footnote that's not even mentioned as much anymore. And we're talking about Matt Ariza, the all-pro punter in the NFL, and not Matt Ariza, the guy who was falsely accused of rape and then everything ended up dropped in the end. I, I hope that's the case for him yeah, in the, his future. The uh, the woman dropped her uh, civil suit, and in return, he dropped his defamation suit Yeah, uh, in this. Chad, uh, looking at uh, the rundown here, it's missing one big headline, and that's your birthday. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. I appreciate that. That is, not a, that is not a big headline. Oh, let, me be the, let me be the first to say this. Chad, is, I've been walking this around is no headline. 6th and Peabody today. Everywhere you go. Everyone's wishing you a happy birthday. That's because of the ills of social media. That's okay. the only reason people know. They feel obligated. Because I probably should take my birthday off of Facebook or wherever it is, as we see Dwight uh, wishing me a happy birthday here from the office. Look, I, I uh, am not one to celebrate my own birthday. I am quick to chastise those, those that spend a week celebrating oh, their birthday. Yeah. It's birthday mostly, mostly women that do this. I don't know many guys that decide to celebrate a birthday week. But I do know quite a few women that decide to do that. Um, I had very little to do in the process of me being birthed uh, other than being here. I thank God You're for alive. every breath that I have. And I'm thankful for that opportunity. Thankful to my parents uh, for having me. All of those things. But I don't really deserve any of the praise uh, for my birthday. So uh, we'll, we'll keep, keep moving. Have the show go as smooth as possible. That's my, the best birthday gift that I could have. Oh, I thank everyone who's who's been kind enough to wish me a happy birthday. Anyone that's still but in I, line, just I am go about someone. Your day. Yeah, everybody else out there, I I will come out to sign the moonshine bottles shortly after our show wraps the uh, here in a couple of hours. But before then, please just wait patiently. <laughs> I thank everyone for doing it. I'm not some ingrate that doesn't appreciate people saying happy birthday. I'm very thankful for that. It's just difficult to. Really do yeah. a bunch of backflips over one's own birthday. Hey, man. And as they continue to increase, This Hutton, is your day. Your, your sports betting run right now is looking great. Yeah, I had a this nice, nice three-leg parlay hit. Uh, I, I bet on 
some soccer club called Young Boys that I was uh, turned on to, wrong choice of words, that Colin told me I should bet on against them. Did not bet on Young Boys. Actually bet against them. Um, so I'm really on a heater right now that I'm, I'm betting on a game involving some Swiss club called Young Boys. So I'm, I'm feeling myself. I feel good. Uh, feel healthy. That's the best I can ask for. But as the birthdays start to creep up, and especially after you have children, yeah. first off, when you have children, you realize your life does not matter anymore at all because everyone around you, and you too, you only want to celebrate their accomplishments yeah. and what happens with them and their birthdays. But my birthday has never meant less than it does right now. Today. You know when it's going to meet? You know when it's, it's actually going to matter even less? A year from now, it's going to matter less. And you know when it's actually going to reach another point? A year after that, it's going to matter we, uh, even less. As the years tick up and my children grow, <laughs> my birthday means less and less. But I appreciate you saying happy birthday. Chad, now. is the uh, the last Thank birthday you. that mattered your 40th? I don't even think that mattered. I mean, it was, yeah, like it was a day, but I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I think 50 is going to hit me hard if I make it to 50, God willing. You will. But if I do, 50 sounds like a big deal. I guess 40 is a big deal. But it didn't feel like that big of a deal. I don't know. It's it's tough to put one's own birthday into perspective, especially I, after kids to where it's I, just I, all I care about are their birthdays. I think the vast majority of us put their birthday in perspective very well. This is us. You know, like I think most make it a big deal. Yeah. I'm very bad about wishing people happy birthday also. Um, and I've, I've, a lot of people have been very kind to me to shoot me texts all day yeah, and say different things. And I appreciate it. I'm very bad about doing that. And it's in part because I'm so uncomfortable with my own birthday. Maybe Armando I just or don't Amy think, Dash will I don't think like your own, I just don't see birthdays as a thing to celebrate. We're celebrating. I'm very contrarian when well, it comes we'll to American society about this, but I just don't, I never think of my own birthday as something to like have some huge thing over. What about, uh, contract day? In college football, which is never ending if you uh, are represented by Jimmy Sexton. The Nick Saban retirement and the ripple effect that we've seen in contracts uh, goes to show that Jimmy Sexton just replaces a client or a coach with another client in the same position. Uh, when you start looking at it... It's this, all about the Jimmy Sexton pipeline. It is. It, this is just a... Just a glance at who he represents in college football. Now, think about the contract extensions recently for these guys. Of course, Nick Saban retires. He represents Kirby Smart, Steve Sarkeesian. We'll get back to him in a moment. Mike Norvell. You've got Lane Kiffin, uh, DeBoer, Jimbo Fisher. He also had Kevin Sumlin at A&M before Jimbo. So he just replaced a coach with a coach. Uh, Hugh Freeze, Mark Stoops, Brent Venables, a total of 11 of the 14 current SEC coaches he represents. Plus Dan Lanning, contract extension, James Franklin, Dino Babers, and Matt Campbell. Chad, he also had Butch Jones and Jeremy Pruitt, and you had those replace each other. Craziness. Um, I don't know how he's got into this pipeline of doing exactly this, and I know he's got a, a huge staff behind him uh, that is... Uh, capable of negotiating just like him when he comes over the top. But he did just that and took advantage for the coaches uh, in his wing whenever Saban retired. Because Steve Sarkeesian at Texas, beyond just the $10 million-plus contract, which uh, the, uh, based on the extension goes through 2030, 
where he's going to make $10.9 million scheduled on the contract year. Chad, uh, this isn't unheard of, but think about the success that Steve Sarkeesian has had compared to Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. He has uh, two cars and a country club membership. That's kind of standard. He's access to a private jet for personal use as well. All because Saban retires. Amid all the speculation. And Texas is paying most of his money to Sarkeesian's LLC, which allows him to write off agent fees. So they've diverted the money there. And, you know, another coach has a larger buyout. And if he fails, he'll be paid to fail. But just the ripple effect beyond just the coaching carousel, how one guy, one agent, really controls the market. And when one of his top guys leaves or is fired, he's got another guy waiting that will be replacing said coach. And they do all this and they still have a search committee. They still have, you know, $800,000 search committee that they'll, the private firm that they'll have go out and, and, and vet these guys. Just call up Jimmy Sexton. Chad, have you met him? I have not. Uh, I know we know a number of people, both I met of him us one that, time. that know him, but I've never met him. It's it, nothing like I would expect. It wasn't the, it wasn't the Jerry Maguire feel at all. But all the coaches respect him. It, also, the rivals of this, the aspect, like if if our rival was represented by the same attorney or agent, I wouldn't want that. Would you? No. But all the top guys are him. Every me, one of them. Let me go through. So, over 10 years, this is, this is Steve Sarkeesian. All the things Hutton just listed about all of his pay and his country club memberships and everything Private else. Private jet access. The man is 71 and 49 overall at Washington, USC, and Texas. These are not bad programs. Uh, two of the three just, just played in the, the college football playoff. Uh, USC, a national championship winning program. He is 71 and 49. Two and four in bowl games overall. He is, uh, I'm going to go through the years of Steve Sarkeesian. Yep. Five and seven, starting at Washington in 09 as a head coach. Five and seven, seven and six, seven and six, seven and six. Eight and four. Eight and four is best year at Washington. Kalen DeBoer just got Washington very close to a national title. Eight and four was the best year. That got him the USC job where he goes nine and four and then three and two. At USC, where he's fired midseason, had the alcohol problem, got yep. fired, and then rehabilitated with Nick Saban, gets the Texas job, where he has gone five and seven, eight and five, and twelve and two. In ten years, the man has had one double digit win season, and he is getting all of this. There is something very wrong with the system. And I'm not saying Steve Sarkeesian's a bad coach. I think he's a good offensive coach. It's... His record does not deem necessary for him to make all this money and to have a buyout like that. Jimmy Sexton is a hell of a businessman. He has done very well for himself. He is a detriment to college football. Make no mistake about it. That is a problem for college football because as this pushes out and all these coaches get paid to fail the way they do, it makes the gap and then the idea of college football and players not getting paid even more ludicrous which has led us to this system where all the coaches are bitching about NIL and transfer portal and everything else. You're a part of the problem because you can leave when you want with no penalty. 
and it's no issue. All of this is a problem that has been festering, and one of the root causes is Jimmy Sexton and the greed that has gone on in the coaching community and him in general and how he is playing every single AD in America like a damn puppeteer. Well, because you know why? He is Geppetto. They can't. I mean, right? He really and, is. And college football is his Pinocchio, and he's, he's working the strings on everyone, and suddenly he gets his I'm, way. And guys like Steve Sarkeesian, um, good dude, oh. I'm sure, good offensive coach. There's no way Steve Sarkeesian deserves what he is making right now. Mike no Norvell way. is making $10 million plus. It's ridiculous. He's also, he's also Jimmy Sexton client. He is 18 and 16 at Florida State. 56 and 31 overall in seven seasons as a head coach. And look, Jimmy Sexton would come back and say, don't hate the player, hate the game. And he's right. right. Because the he game... is he is playing the game better than anyone. He also invented the game. So he's invented the game and he is mastering said game as an agent to college football coaching stars. And it's a problem overall. Both... I, I'm I'm all for American capitalism and people making as much money as they can, and you're as much as someone is willing to pay you, all those things. But let's not pretend that all this is good for the sport of college football. Well, and, uh, well, yeah, and I've harped on the buyout uh, money. The, the buyouts have gone up uh, in a massive way in recent years. Just look at Ed, Ed Orgeron. Wins the national championship, gets the contract. Uh, he had a $16 million buyout, I believe. It was less than 20. Mm -hmm. And start looking around college football. Norvell, uh, you've got Ryan Day. Ryan Day has a $46 million buyout based on his recent extension. So it's Jimmy Sexton. Right below him is Trace Armstrong, who has Ryan Day, Lincoln Riley, Brian Kelly, Luke Fickle, Matt Rule, and Dana Holgerson. Yeah. The, the top guys are represented by really two agents. And you don't want to play the game with them? Well, you're not going to get a coach in the pool that anyone's ever heard of because they're going to replace said coach with their client again. No, and, and we're never going to hear a coach admit this fact. No. And the fact is they're a part of the problem too. Yep. Jimmy Sexton, super agent, and other super agents, a part of the college football problem. So uh, we're going to talk about Nick Saban. I think Nick Saban is a rational, good voice for college football. But Nick Saban's not being honest here either, because if he is, he'd say, you know, now that I'm out of it, I can admit it. Made too much money. Uh, coaching salaries and the freedom of coaches to do what they want, unlike the NFL, where you can't jump from NFL head coaching job to the other. You actually have to serve out a commitment when you sign a contract, and we never have to do that in college, boy, that might be setting a bad example for these players that we all sit around and bitch about because they want to transfer after a year, and all they're doing is really following our lead on that because we're getting raises or we're leaving if we're not getting the money we want at a certain place. There's no loyalty with that. There's no honoring contracts with coaches. And Jimmy Sexton has developed the game and has mastered it. So but I don't hate Jimmy Sexton because he's making money, and he's created an economy that previously didn't really exist to this level, and I'm sure coaches love him for it. But let's be completely intellectually honest about what's happening here. Well, and to be he fair, too is part of the problem. To be fair to Saban, you could argue Saban is undervalued and underpaid. I would, I don't put Saban in this. I don't put Kirby Smart in this. This is the next tier and the tier below uh, the second shelf that are getting astronomical numbers. Yeah, you Saban know, was never in any threat of getting fired for failing to or, where he'd get a buyout. Or, or threat of leaving for but another But I, I would like for Saban to admit now that he's no longer in the game 
that these buyouts for coaches that fail oh, well, is ridiculous. Well, that the the universities and, it's ham, it, and it's the NCAA a lot of schools. The, the NCAA and the the universities have to admit that yeah. they're, they're trying to push that aside and blame the players and NIL and collectives. But, but here, but see, it, we're going back to chicken and egg here because you just admitted it too, Hutton. It's not the coach's fault. But you just admitted they're, it too. If they, but if they, but if they don't play the game. These big schools are never going to get any of the top coaches because well, they've got it set up where all these top coaches are automatically going to get it, a huge buyout. You, you, well, the, the, where it has to change, the university must meet the buyout clause as well. You've got a $46 million buyout for Ryan Day. Texas A&M, whenever we had Billy Lucci on, he mentioned Ryan Day. Had A&M wanted to hire him, they would owe only $4.5 million. So if you yeah. want to stop this carousel of threat of guys leaving, just make sure that you're on par with the same number. Some universities will pay it. Absolutely, some can't. And, well, if, and I, if you're going to just throw out a $5 million sum and say, hey, take this coach before we have to pay him the buyout, yeah, I, that's ridiculous. Here's what I'm rooting for. okay? Because, again, those guys, they're going to demand what they're going to demand. They're going to get it somewhere. If not Ohio State, somewhere else. A&M, someone's going to pay it for the top Jimmy Sexton and top super agent clients. They're just going to do it. And universities need to stop doing it. Kenny Dillingham uh, said, and I saw Trey Wallace you know, quote him, said basically, like, if you want to bitch about how hard it is, yeah, it's hard. Get out. Quit if you want to. I want to see more top programs go find that guy. And I don't know if Kenny Dillingham is going to be good or not. He's an Arizona State grad. Go find the young, hungry dude that you don't have to promise the world to and say, we're going to pay you a lot while you're coaching here. We're going to give you the resources you need. Go earn it. We'll pay you more. But we're not going to go into this thing with some enormous buyout that's going to hamstring us for years to come. And we're to not do, going to pay you to fail. All they have to do is look at the NFL model if for you, how they pay their coaches. And if you identify the top coaching talent that's young and bring them in, then suddenly you might be onto something. You don't have to, you don't have to be LSU and go, go hire Brian Kelly and promise him the buyout you promised him. $60 million. You don't have to do those things anymore if you, if you identify contract. the right young coaching talent. Well, all you have to do is identify what, where, you're, where you've gone off the beaten path here, and you look at what the NFL does. The NFL owners, on average, the NFL coach makes $6.6 .6 million annually. That's it. They, I mean, they, they would barely be in the top 25 highest-paid college football coaches. You know what's actually going to benefit this whole situation that we don't like right now? is the partnership with the Big Ten and the SEC in a super conference in college football. Because if they collectively bargain at that point, I do think, call it collusion, whatever you want, yeah. I think those top 40 schools could come to an agreement that you can't take our coach. It could be very NFL-like. A contract is a contract. Because you can't take a player, or at least you couldn't earlier. Hey, if you like, you couldn't uh, go in conference. If you like Texas A&M's offensive coordinator, you can, you can elevate them to head coach, just like in the NFL. You can interview them. But you're not gonna you're not going to snipe what? other head coaches in the top forty five programs in America because when they sign on they that, sign on and it's treated the same. That is again the NFL model. What were we saying about Mike Vrabel? He's under contract, so if the Patriots want to hire him, yeah, that's they've got to trade for well, him. This is what I talk about the NFL of college football all the time. That that's where it could be better for everyone. That you're not going to have insane buyouts for failing because there's more cooperation from those 40 to 50 schools that are left playing the highest level of college football. So uh, Saban is now the voice of college football in many ways. He's the de facto commissioner. I, I labeled him that whenever he took the, the college game day gig. Well, I, at least I hope he will be. 
and he's saying some of the right things, and then some things I, I just I, he's kind of tiptoeing around uh, to me, uh, where he's you know retired, but he's willing to be a voice. He says, uh, "If my voice can bring about some meaningful change, I want to help in any way I can because I love the players, I love college football. What we have now is not college football, not college football as we know it." You hear somebody use the word student athlete. That doesn't exist. Now, he goes on to describe the fact that he's not really looking for a commissioner job. But I do know I'd like to impact college football the best way I can, whether it's being a spokesperson or anything else. Listen, I'm for the players. It's not that I'm not for the players. I want to see the players have a great quality of life, be able to create value for themselves. But we've gone to nobody talking about education. Nobody talking about creating value for their future and talking only about how much money can I make when I'm in college. Again, you're talking out of both sides there, Nick, because the problem is the coaching salaries. Don't overlook the 42 to 46% on average, power five, now power four, athletic budget is going to buyouts, either of coaches or administrators or staff members. Um, now, he does say at the, at the end of this interview at ESPN that... He doesn't feel like he's qualified to drum up the conversation and actually come up with a solution for where we are right now in this landscape. But Chad, his quote was, he mentions Greg Sankey, but also Greg Byrne, the athletic director at Alabama, where he says uh, they're more qualified and that he's willing to lend advice, but every day I, I wouldn't be all in to know all the issues is more or less what he's saying. I'm hesitant to come up with a firm solution because you don't know the consequences of the solution relative. All right, do we have to pass antitrust laws to be able to do it this way? What does it all entail? It's one thing to come up with a solution. It's another thing to implement it. I'm just here to help. I need Nick Saban to do more than just say, I'm just here to help. He's got to lead. Because if not him, I don't know which coach is going to step forward and have everyone else follow him. It's got to be him. Yeah, I, I, I struggle with this because I I agree with what Nick Saban is saying for the most part. And, and that one part about so many college athletes are just looking for what's the top money value I can make right, right. now and not thinking about their long-term future, whether it be professionally outside of football or in the NFL. I, I, I understand what he's saying there, and he's right. That should not become a thing. You need to look at the whole package. And – there was a time where college football was, oh, it's also a way just to go ahead and get a degree sure. for free, and that doesn't seem to be valued at all anymore. Um, Student-athletes still exist, but not at the highest level of college football. That is competing with NIL at the highest level. So, yeah, a lot of what he's saying is true. But Hutton, like you said, I struggle with it because we got to address both sides of this. And the other side is the coaching salaries have gone crazy. Buyouts have gone crazy. You're a part of this too. Coaches aren't completely innocent in all of this. You're a bit complicit in this atmosphere of wild, wild west. No restrictions because your agent's allowed to go flirt with any school they want every year regardless of how, what long, how long your contract says you're going to be at a current school. You can go talk to recruits. You can sell them on the vision of how you're going to and better their future by coming in and working there and improving as a player and going to the NFL while also talking to other places because you want to make a little bit more money or you want to get more money out of the school that you're holding hostage at the time. So I don't want to hear about 
purity with all of this. I, I want to reach a middle ground and an understanding that both sides have gotten a little bit out of character and it's gone a little bit crazy. And maybe coaches can set the example of, I'm not just going to do everything for the highest dollar amount and do some other things that might be better for my future and show that I might take a little bit less money at some point because this is a better spot for me. And then you can easily sell that to kids also that it shouldn't just be about the highest dollar figure. It should be about what makes sense for you. If that's going to be Nick Saban's argument, he doesn't have to live that anymore because he's no longer a coach in college. But I want to hear him say that a little bit more. Yeah, but, but most of what he's saying, I, I don't disagree with. But he's just talking only about how much money can I make when I'm in college. He's describing the player. Uh, look in the mirror at yep. the coaches. Also, look at the conferences. If you want to talk student-athlete, none of this is taken into account whenever all of the musical chairs are going on in conference realignment, period. It's a money grab, all of it, where you have the networks running the sport and those at the highest level in, in college athletics are also raking in the money for their conference. Florida State is complaining about not getting their fair share. More power to them. Uh, but in their own conference, they have other student-athletes that are competing. You have uh, the Big Ten and the SEC that, you know, uh, and the, especially in the SEC's case, didn't even bother telling Texas A&M that Texas is about to join. Uh, it was just, uh, you know, you have, to, you have to come bearing arms. You have to bear arms. And... I don't think what Saban's saying here about, oh, look, I'm for the players. I've, nobody's talking about education. Uh, including those running your school, the conference, and your team. Period. Like that's, To me, that's just a crutch that is thrown out there way too often. Especially based on what we've seen the last three years. And it's another example to me of just, there's no one person that's going to be the perfect decision maker for college football because of their bias that's right. inherent with whatever they did. Yeah. So Nick Saban obviously has an inherent bias on behalf of the coaches and not the players. He can talk about I'm for the players all he wants, but if you don't acknowledge that the coaching profession has gotten out of control with money involved in that too, then you're part of the, of the issue also. Greg Sankey, who Nick Saban says would be a good commissioner of college football or to lead us out of this because he's had more day-to-day -day experience yep. in all the legalities and everything. He's right about that. But Greg Sankey looks at everything through the prism of how do I make the most money in annual payout to my 14 and now soon to be 16 member institutions. Well, that's not someone who's also looking out for the best interest of the players right. or the student athletes. So it is going to take some compromise on all sides. I don't know if any side right now is willing to compromise, and I'm including the players on this. They want to make the most money in the shortest amount of time that they can, and they have the right with an IL to do that right now. So until people really get in a room and there's a player involvement in this also and a coaching involvement and a commissioner involvement and a school president involvement and people – go into this conversation with a willingness to compromise about what's best for the sport, we're going to be left with a lot of people that have got a lot of bias in it that are talking about their side of it and their experience and not really moving anywhere where we need to go. Hey, and I'm just random here. I thought about Kalen DeVore at Bama, and I, I'm, I'm thinking, man, this is not good whenever you have Saban saying this. What you have now isn't name, image, likeness. 
a collective has nothing to do with name, image, and likeness. It was Saban that was getting and keeping players, and now DeBoer's taking over without the same structure that you're seeing across college football right now. Chad, uh, the NBA returns. Also, quickly on, yeah. on one of Saban's ideas that was yes. interesting, talking about you know an NIL has nothing or a collective has nothing to do with NIL or the university, right. and you have tax exempt payment that goes to the university. So he was advocating for the collectives to be taken in house, and then you just give money to the university. And then suddenly that money funnels back uh, to the student athletes. Yeah, they want the money to go through the university, not the collective. In some way, yeah. The collective should not be separate from the university. You just pay, and then some of that money could be worked out for student athletes. I, but the, but th- they want it that way so they can control. Again, this is over the 9%, not the 42 yeah. to 45%. I think that They can is, control that number. I think that sounds great on paper. And when he, you know, he's I quoted know. by Chris Lowe saying that. And also get back to thinking, I don't think that's ultimately going to be what's best financially for the student-athlete, if no, that happens. Absolutely not. What's going on right now is what's best for the student-athlete. Well, Financially, the, not, yeah. not in all ways, right. but just from a dollar standpoint, what's going on right now is what's best. And there aren't many universities that are really good with their collective that are complaining about it, because they're also really good. They're, they're, they're good financially, too, in that respect, with how the money's flowing. Chad, uh, plenty of money in the NBA. Uh, Watching the All Star Game, I, you know, protecting themselves to the uh, to the max because there wasn't much competition there. Back from the All Star break, though, they return tonight, and uh, well, I won't be watching. Nope. Will you? I will not. So I got to thinking about this before the show today. The current NBA is like sitcoms of the old <laughs> days. Um, Hutton and I grew up on on sitcoms. You know, I remember uh, tape before a live studio audience. Here is Coach. With Craig T. Nelson. Cosby uh, Show. Cosby Show. I mean, go down the list. Another name that takes on a different connotation right. these days. Um, I mean, Family Matters. Full uh, House. Seinfeld. Friends. I mean, we can go on to the you know the mid to late aughts. Yep. Two and a Half Men. Great show. Uh, How I Met Your Mother. You know, go on down the list of, of what we knew as sitcoms back in the day. Tape before a live studio audience. Laugh Track. All of that. And Roseanne. I think Roseanne, another great. And that Connors, I actually yeah. still kind of watch a little bit of that, but not, not all of them. But the, the, the old concept of the sitcom, which was all we knew for a long time on television, all in the family in the 70s, groundbreaking yeah. television show. Throughout the 70s and 80s, the sitcom was king. I think back to the NBA in the 90s. And in the 90s, sitcoms were a big deal. And I think, okay, how much of my mind is just blinded by the fact that old school NBA was sitcoms how I knew them. My childhood, early adulthood, guys getting after it, stars that we knew about, teams that we knew about, stars and team being connected at the hip. And when you thought about that team, you thought about that star. When you thought about the Boston Celtics, you thought about Larry Bird and Robert Parrish and Kevin McHale. When you thought about the Bulls, you thought about Jordan and Pippen. When you thought about the Knicks, you thought about Patrick Ewing. How much of it is that? How much of it is, boy, the NBA is just not good anymore. I, I think the NBA now is like sitcoms now. No one cares if they exist anymore. There's not a single good sitcom going. Nobody cares. We've moved on. There's better television right now. There are streamers that do better work. There are single-cam, multi-cam shows without a studio audience that have shown itself to be better and funnier 
than what we remember as sitcoms. I think the NBA is kind of in that place right now where there's so many other better products out there, and it's not a basketball problem. Americans still love basketball. We still watch men's college basketball. Women's college basketball has never been more popular than it is right now. We like basketball, but we like people giving it their all. Yes. And when you don't, and you don't aim to entertain, and you're only out for yourself, that becomes a problem, and you become sitcoms today, not sitcoms of the 80s and 90s, and that's what the NBA is. Much like sitcoms right now, I don't care if either exist at this point in time. I, I really don't. And I hate to say that because I grew up on the NBA, and I loved it, and I hope it improves. I hope there's a great sitcom again one day, too. It's not existing right now, and the same goes for the NBA. Yeah, well said. I mean, I, I was surprised. I don't know if you would be, uh, but the attendance for 2024, there are roughly 10, 10 teams that are right around 20,000 average. I was surprised by that. I am too. Now, it doesn't dip below 16,000 on average. The Hornets have the worst attendance. But in just comparing, like, the way I would, the way we see some of the crowds in college basketball, right? Um, especially uh, really, really bad programs, but they still have diehard fans that aren't going. In this case, it's a bad product, but you're still going. I, the entertainment value is different. It's a lot like an NHL game from that respect. But, yeah, 20,000 Bulls and Mavericks, highest attendance. I'm surprised. And it's a better TV product than it is uh, in, in person to me. And it's a horrible TV product. I'm choosing not to watch it. It's a very specific, specific audience right now for the NBA. And I think you're either NBA diehard, you're following everything, you're a season yeah. ticket holder, you're going to games, or you're like me and you just don't care at all. They need to raise the profile of the uh, average observer that just wants to follow the NBA because it's there and it's winter and they're a sports fan. They need more of that. Coming up, Armando Salguero will join us. The very latest across the NFL. He is back from vacation. And, uh, well, the punt god is, is back in the NFL, signing with the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, Matt Ariza there. We'll discuss that. Uh, Justin Fields, what's going to happen in Pittsburgh, uh, potentially in Atlanta, and much more. Straight ahead here on Hotline. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow. Rolls on. Outkick.com slash watch is where you can find the show. Chad, it's been a while since we uh, have said hello or seen the smiling face of Armando Salgado. The last time we saw his Super smiling Bowl. face, it was face-to-face. -face. It was. Our rare face-to-face -face encounter in Vegas, which Correct. was glorious, by Check the way. Check out the uh, the five spot, which is also glorious. Uh, Armando Absolutely. and Donovan McNabb, you can catch the uh, latest episode right now at outkick.com, and uh, every Tuesday and Friday it drops there at Outkick uh, at across the network. Armando, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Things are going awesome. I am uh, I am preparing as we speak for the Indianapolis Combine next week. All combining. I will be combining. It is time to combine. Combine forces and go to the Combine. It's always uh, terrible weather the week of the Combine. Armando. Always gray. I've never seen the sunshine in Indianapolis for any Combine. Yeah, uh, I don't care. St. Elmo's has a roof uh, yeah. and a ceiling and indoor plumbing and lighting. So that's all I care about. Surprisingly good weather uh, next week. You're right. Uh, Harry and Izzy is also very good. Uh, 
Yeah, Harry and Izzy's is basically yeah. St. Elmo's, it's right? Yeah, it's can, the same you, you owner. Get you get the can, same cocktail sauce. Yeah, that's it. You can get the same, the, the specialty item. Um, Matt Ariza has a specialty. He's the punt god, and he's back in the league, Armando. He's uh, signing with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, they have a punter who is going to be a free agent, I believe. And, well, Ariza was a free agent for far too long, given the circumstances. Yes. Uh, and so we know that he hasn't been in the league since August of 2022 when the Buffalo Bills uh, summarily cut him when they heard and they came by the uh, information that he was part of an alleged gang rape situation at San Diego State University in 2021. Obviously, at that point, Ariza had already won the starting job for the Bills as their punter. He had a four-year contract in his pocket, and things were looking up for him as a rookie. Uh, here we are, not quite two years later, but what is it, 17, 18 months later? Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it took that long to get the career at least, if not fully back on track, at least in a situation where uh, he knows where he's going to be next, you know, next opening of training camp. And so good for him. Look, none of these situations are ever fun to talk about or write about because I don't lose sight of the fact that somewhere there's a woman who, you know, yeah, uh, I, you know, I just, I just feel bad for the whole shebang and you never want someone to be uh unfairly accused but neither do you want anyone to ever be in a situation where they're uh you know the female in that 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 whole deal no no doubt um armando uh is back from vacation and he is back uh with the the very latest across the nfl outkick.com is where you can find that uh justin fields uh, I mean, he's going, he's not going to be in Chicago. How many landing spots do you think are actually out there for him? I, the, the free agent quarterback market is intriguing considering teams that are needy and then teams that could go young versus veteran and just kind of eyeballing the teams that need a veteran quarterback more than they need another rookie in there. So, so I feel like we mentioned vacation and then you said Justin Fields is not going to be in Chicago and I feel like I need to Kind of bring that in a little bit. Oh, you think he's in uh, Chicago? No, uh, but I mean, the Bears haven't come out. L let's let's tell the people why we can't report it as fact, and that is because the Bears are still working through the process, and it it includes going to Indy next week and uh, Ryan Poles, the general manager, getting face to face with fellow general managers and trying to extract from them their best offer for Justin Fields. And I got, I got bad news for you, Ryan Poles. <laughs> it's not going to be a first-round pick. It's not going to be a second-round pick. You might be lucky, might be lucky to get a third-round pick for a guy that you, you, know, you tried to develop for several years and used a first-round pick on. Uh, the Bears, as early as, as late as the Super Bowl, I talked to a Bears person during the Super Bowl, and they were saying, well, we're not getting a first-round pick. Yeah, no kidding. 
<laughs> so um, they are always hopeful, but where it seems to make where that seems to make sense is a third rounder, and this is where I tell you that the Atlanta Falcons have two third round picks, number seventy four and number seventy nine overall. And so if if we're thinking he's definitely gone, that's that seems to be a, a logical possible sweet spot once the Bears understand that you're not going to get value in return there. Let me th- tell me if what I'm, I'm thinking is logical. Um, next week, combine, the Bears are also going to need Caleb Williams to let. I mean, we saw Eli determine where he's going. Caleb Williams doesn't have an agent, and Carl Williams uh, likes to talk about where his son's going to end up playing. If you're going to move fields, you have to know that you, you're drafting Caleb Williams, don't you? Because if he comes out and says, yeah, I'm not playing for you. I mean, we've seen it before, and he wants to go play for Cliff Kingsbury in his offense in Washington, for instance. This is also a big week for that conversation to begin, isn't it? Yeah, um, I... <laughs> I get the feeling that Caleb Williams will will be going wherever you know he's picked. I'm not thinking this is an Eli Manning situation. Okay. Um, of course, <laughs> I didn't think Eli Manning was going to be an Eli Manning situation. Right, right. There. So there's that. But I would say to you that uh, they expect to be the number one pick regardless of who has that that choice whether it's the bears whether it's somebody else and it could be somebody else uh but uh the the chances are good it's gonna be the bears and the chances are very good that caleb williams will be a bear and the chances are exceedingly good that we will know that practically for certain either by the end of the next week or the start of the following week. Armando, I don't know what makes me more angry. The media overreaction to a player like Justin Fields or anyone unfollowing the team or then the player's reaction when it's actually a story because they unfollowed the team. Like when Justin Fields says, I don't know why people are making a big deal out of this. I was just going on vacation and didn't want to see. And I'm thinking, just scroll past it. If you don't want it to be a story, you don't have to look at the things that the Bears are posting. Mute. I feel like players are more savvy than this, and they deep down, they know it's going to be a story. Yeah. When they unfollow someone, they know someone is going to run with it. They can't be this naive. Where do you fall on this? Yeah, they're not naive at all. They know what they're doing. Uh, and if they don't know what they're doing, they're dumb. It's not na- naivete. It's you're stupid. Because you didn't understand that you are a person of a certain um, celebrity and everything you do is is judged. And I think that an NFL starting quarterback learned long ago that that is where he lives. And to suggest that he didn't know that is ridiculous. Having said that, the media part of it, <laughs> let me tell you a story. So one time, you know that media, like they watch practice during training camp. They watch full practices. 
I remember one year watching a Dolphins practice and a player left the field and a reporter wrote on Twitter immediately, uh-oh, so-and-so is leaving the field, must be injured again, uh, didn't look good coming off. It's it's a bad moment for the Miami Dolphins because this guy was a, a starting cornerback. Uh, the starting cornerback uh, answered on Twitter, I went to get a hot tub, dude. <laughs> Jesus. That was his reply. So the media jumped to all sorts of conclusions. Oh my God, this dude is injured and he's been injured before. And here we go again. And the guy had, you know, was done with the work for the day and was going to the, either the hot tub or the cold tub, whatever it was that they was going to. And it was just funny to me. Yeah, it's it, and you're spot on with that example. It's frustrating on, on both sides, I think, but I, I laugh at, at Justin Fields' response to it also. All right, Armando, I realize, you know, pre-combine, you know, free agency, all, all that stuff, but I, I want to ask about a couple of guys who are going to be moving on. And just before the draft, before combine, all of that, your knee-jerk reaction to what makes the most sense for a couple of guys. I'm going to start with Kirk Cousins. When you look around the league and who could be interested, what is the situation that makes the most sense for him? Well, obviously, he is going to want uh, number two, money. Number one, he is going to want a situation where he can compete for a Super Bowl or thinks he can. You know, he's reached a certain point in his career where the money is secondary, although if you ask the Minnesota Vikings, he hasn't quite reached it to their liking, you know, to the point where they can sign him. Um, the Steelers, Las Vegas, Atlanta, any number of those. Um, you know, I don't believe that Kirk Cousins will be a backup in the NFL in 2024. I believe he'll be a starter. So my next question is a guy that I think fits the same criteria of what you said about priority. I don't think money is going to be the first driver for him. It's going to be a chance to win a Super Bowl. I'm talking about Derrick Henry right here in Nashville with the Titans who said farewell to everyone in the organization uh, Um, after his final game. Who makes sense for him on both sides? The Cowboys. uh, A team with, you know, they're moving on apparently from Tony Pollard uh, and they have red zone issues or did have red zone issues. Is Derek Henry good in the red zone? Hmm. Yeah, I think he is. <laughs> so that, that fills a lot of needs for everybody involved, including the running back who wants to do what be on a potential championship caliber team. Armando Salguero with us. Armando, how how much uncertainty is surrounding the decision Miami has with Tua? Well, the uncertainty is the number uh, because the Dolphins want to sign Tua to an extension. Tua wants to be signed to an extension. So there is no uncertainty there. Yeah. The problem is whether Tua is intent or his agents are intent on leading off the annual average 
with a number that starts with a five or, you know, an annual average with a number that starts with an, uh, with a four. And if it's with a five, it's going to be very interesting to see if the dolphins are willing to get to that, to that height. So you, um, you think also, it's like a, a Kyler Murray structure for them? Like kind of, well, here's the thing that, that really messes things up for everybody involved when you're talking about $50 million a year plus. If the salary cap goes up as much as everyone expects now, yeah. which is, it could be, it's it could go up to 248, 249 maybe. Um, and I'm talking million. <laughs> uh that's that's a hefty raise from 224.8, I think it is this year. And and so if you are equaling what guys got last year, like what Jalen Hurts got, what even Joe Burrow is the highest um paid player on an annual average in the NFL, what Justin Herbert got, you are effectively getting less. Yeah, because you're getting a smaller percent of the salary cap, which is much larger. So that's something that they're going to have to work through. I'm glad that I'm not the nerd that has to figure it out. Uh, I shouldn't say that because I know the guy that's going to figure it out on the on the Dolphins behalf. And he's a good guy, a very smart individual and a nerd. Um, But nonetheless, that that's the process that that might throw a little bit of a of you know a chink into that armor. Russell Wilson is he out in Denver? If Russell Wilson was a different kind of cat, I would tell you a hundred percent. But Russell Wilson is the kind of person that is very forgiving, and it's almost beta ish in the manner in which he is willing to you know let people do or say things about him yeah and let it go uh good christian man turns the other cheek better than most uh in fact better than just about anybody i know um i'm a christian man too but i would tell the 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 broncos to kick rocks um and so russell wilson if if suddenly the Denver Broncos look around and go, um, no, we can't do this. He would probably be okay coming back. Wow. Hmm. But I just have a hard time believing that Sean Payton will look around and go, I can't do this without Russell Wilson when he benched Russell Wilson at the end of last year. And just final thing, because I mentioned this earlier in the show that we bring this up Pittsburgh. Kenny Pickett's going to face competition in camp. Is that competition like a Ryan Tannehill level? Is it a rookie? Is it more of a uh, a big a big move? Justin Fields, Russell Wilson. Uh, there, there's a lengthy list. Uh, Kirk Cousins. I I don't know the level that Tomlin is, is referring to whenever he says, "Yeah, he's going to be sweating during camp." Absolutely. And the level is all options are on the table. That's the level. Okay. And they mean it uh, as long as it fits into their cap. Right. As long as it fits into their culture and chemistry. But every option is on, you know, is on the table. Kenny Pickett 
they want him to develop. They 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 are invested in him developing, but they're not going to sit around and and pray and hope that he does. They're going to push him and push him hard. It's up to Kenny Pickett. It's not up to the Pittsburgh Steelers at this point. Still waiting on that contract uh, extension for yeah. Mike Tomlin as well uh, up in Pittsburgh. Armando, always great. Uh, we will catch up soon. Enjoy Indianapolis. There will be plenty to report. Indeed. See, see you guys. Yep, remember the cocktail it. sauce is spicy. At St. Oh, Elmer's. yeah. That's always important to remember. It, it always have, have water handy. I love Like that. Armando doesn't already know that. Uh, yeah, the, if you haven't had the shrimp cocktail sauce at, at St. Elmo's or Harry and Izzy's, um, by all means, go to Harry and Izzy's. Don't wait on a table at St. Elmo's. You can order the same. It's the same thing. The yes. ambiance is just about the same. same. It's a nice restaurant and uh, virtually the same menu. Um, so, you remember Big Dom, security guy? Pittsburgh, yeah. Pittsburgh, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, when he wasn't on the sideline, um, what happened to the Eagles? Sirianni uh, needing his guy by his, by his side. Plus, um, LeBron James wanted Johnny Manziel by his side. And Manziel will hear from him about why he wasn't. That's straight ahead on Hot Mike. 